You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Um, a little bit about myself. I am um, from the great state of Colorado, uh, born and raised in Denver. Anyone from Colorado here? Oh, yeah, let's go. Um, I bleed orange and blue. Uh, they say God is a Broncos fan, and we know because of the sunsets are orange and blue, so I don't care if you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, God is a Broncos fan. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I was born and raised there. I met my uh, beautiful wife, Christine, in seminary in Massachusetts, and I went to a seminary at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. Um, got married in 2013 and moved to Austin for a youth pastor position and was a youth pastor for seven years. And as we moved to Austin and got married, um, in our first month of marriage, we did the most Austin thing you can think of, which is we got a dog. Um, and we got a Shiba Inu. If you guys don't know what that is, that's the Doge dog. Um, so we have one of those. Every time we walk in the domain, like, he's a popular dog. Everyone wants to take pictures of him. Um, and yes, and then... Uh, we have two boys, um, Isaiah and Ezekiel. Uh, we just thought we would start a Disney channel, so we thought the nicknames Zeke and Zay would be really cute. Uh, so these are my two boys. This was actually taken uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. We uh, drove from here all the way to Massachusetts with, uh, you know, my wife and my, Christine and I, two boys, two toddlers, two dogs, and two college girls, we drove all the way across the nation to go fundraise um, for our church plant. Um, I would not recommend it, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like this picture, um, you see everyone smiling, so um, I'm thankful to God uh, for what he's done and, and everything. Um, for those of you um, that don't know, I will be planting a church in the domain. Um, and I just want to take some time to thank Providence Church um, that although you guys may not know me and may not have made an impact on our lives, that through our partnership in church planting, that you guys have a big part of what it means for us to church plant. And uh, Will has partnered with us in Providence Church. You guys have partnered with us to expand the gospel in the domain. And I don't know if you know, but there is not a single church that meets in the domain. And God called me and said, hey, this is where I want you to plant. And I ran for it for a very long time. Um, but I'm like, okay, God, if that's where you want me to plant, uh, then I have to obey and listen. Uh, but so if you guys can continually pray for us and encourage us, and if you guys live up north and you guys want to come join us in the domain, you are more than welcome to do that. Uh, when Will reached out about preaching today, I spent some time praying about how I could encourage your body and to encourage you guys to see the joy of what it means to be filled with Christ as you begin to serve the kingdom full, with full force. And my direction this afternoon is taking a passage in Hebrews, and as we begin to unpack what the author is talking about, the author here is beginning to encourage the church to continue to fight, to continually to press on, to run this race with endurance, that even in moments of doubt and moments of struggle, that these words would encourage them to continue to press on. Because here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we all know that this last year has been difficult. And our faith has been challenged. 
And as we are challenged, my prayer is that we really grasp and understand Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. And I know there are going to be moments of struggle and moments of doubt and moments where you become tired and it's beginning to understand the promises here in Hebrews through Christ that will set us rhythms to run this race. It's like training for a marathon. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. It's your spiritual discipline and what you set your eyes on that begins to give you the endurance to run. It's your spiritual discipline and what you set your eyes on that begins to give you the endurance to run. And that is what we want to focus on today is the joy of running the race. Because here's the fact of the matter, right? There's two things that you cannot control in this life. The first one is your birth, right? Your parents control that, but you cannot control that because, uh, and, and even in times where uh, parents can't control that. And the second thing that you can't control is what? Is your death. And death can be a scary thing. You don't know when it's gonna happen. Death can come at any time. But let's say that you knew that death was coming soon and if you look back in your life, what can you say about your life? A good student? A good husband, a good wife, someone who loved, someone who wasn't angry. What about your life can you say? Because Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, what he does was he approaches the end of his life. He saw it's coming and he had to tell us what he thought of his life. And this is what he said. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have what finished the race and I have what kept the faith. And the questions we must ask is this, as we are walking in our Christian walks, can we say the same thing? Are we setting ourselves up to boast in the ideal that we have fought the good fight? I have fought the good fight and I've finished the race because there's going to be lots of moments where you feel abandoned and it's easier to kick in the towel and just live your life. But what has God us to do He called us to set our eyes on him. So I'm gonna go the traditional Presbyterian route and I have three points and I hopefully I I won't go traditional Presbyterian. I'll get us out here on time um, because I wanna go see fireworks as well. Uh, But my three points is this, the race, the race, do not coast and consider him. The race, do not coast and consider him. The race. So the book of Hebrews was a letter, right, written to Christians who were going through tremendous hardships. And this letter was written to encourage and empower them. And the author here is saying so much of the Christian walk is like running a race. In fact, in 2 Timothy, again, at the end of his life, that's what Paul is talking about. All my life has been like a fight like a race. Keeping faith has been a struggle. Trusting God's promise and walking by faith in the Son of God, uh, resting in the easy yoke of Jesus, being anxious for nothing has been like a, a, a war all my life. Nothing has been easier. And he's basically saying nothing has been harder than to stay satisfied with God and with all that he is for me in Jesus. Day in and day out, by every means graciously given to me. And Paul is saying, I have fought. And here's the thing, it's not a matter of just running the race, but it's what? It's a matter of running the race well. And that's the challenge that's set before us. Man, I don't know about you, like I hate running. 
I wear Jordans because I hate running. These are not running shoes. Every single time that I ask myself to run and get motivated to run, I do what everyone does is I get running shoes. I play the part. I map out what it looks like a mile, and I say, okay, I'm going to run. I get the gear because you have to look the part, right? And what I would do is I would start thinking in my mind, okay, this is the day, a Monday usually, where I'm going to start running. So I wake up at like 6 or 7 a.m. and, you know, get my shoes laced, get my running shoes on. I even have these fancy headphones and say like, you know what, I'm going to pay the price and I'm going to run. And what do I do? I start running. And as I begin to run, what happens? The rain starts coming and I'm like, all right, no, never mind. I'm going back, right? And you go back in and, and then the, you're like, okay, I'll, do, I'll start tomorrow. And you start doing that and you set a distance. You look at Google Maps. You're like, you're, you're spending time doing all these things and you get around the corner. And what do I do? I get a phone call. I need to take this call. And what do you do? You turn back and you don't run. And, and I would do this after time and I would make excuse after excuse after excuse and running would be so difficult. And so many times, don't we do this as our Christian walks are going on, there's a marathon that is in front of us and oftentimes, what do we do? We make excuses. It could be small things, reading our Bibles, starting our quiet times, praying but in a matter of time, we start making excuses not to read our Bibles. Or even more than serious than this, we justify sins. We are stuck in a world that is against God, a world that demands our attention. attention. And just like me running, the tragedy of the matter is that in our Christian walks, no longer are we running, but we come to a dead stop. How many of us can relate to that? When the authors were talking about running this race, it's not just being a participant in a race, but they are set on the prize to win it. How are you setting yourself not just to run this race, but to obtain the prize? See, the Christian walk, it is hard, right? The word for race, the Greek word here is agon, which means what? Agony. So I don't know if you're a runner, but running is agony. No, I'm just kidding, it's not, but for me it is. And the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging that there's suffering in this world. The Bible is clear and it knows that it's going to be hard. And it's telling us, yes, it's going to be difficult and you're going to fail. And unless you learn to accept that there's going to be difficulties, you will never make it through. And this is the situation these Christians have gone into. They are tired. Hebrews 10, uh, verses 32 to 33 says this. It says, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle and you had compassion on your prisoners. And then it goes on and says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. And here's the real talk. If you are training for a marathon, you cannot neglect training. Right? You cannot wake up one day and run 26 miles. So if the Christian walk is a marathon, how are you setting up rhythms and training to begin to fix your eyes on the goal? The problem is this. What was happening in the Hebrews walk, instead of admitting and realizing a Christian walk is a marathon, but even more so a fight, these Christians, they were coasting. They were coasting. So my second point we're moving fast. Do not coast. Do not coast. Hebrews 2.3 says this. 
neglect so great a salvation. The situation is very serious, and the writer suggests that some of these people who used to be passionate about God have turned into something, and something happened. Brothers and sisters, comfort is one of the biggest issues in your Christian walk. Wait, how is comfort a bad thing? What I'm saying is this, so many times in our walks, we put it in cruise control. And we say to ourselves, you know what? I don't need to have the passion and desire to worship and strive to know God anymore. And we start coasting. And this is what the author of Hebrew is warning with. He is saying, brothers and sisters, stop coasting. Wake up. Wake up. Every day of your life is a fight. Hebrews 3.12, take care, brethren. He says, that is, fight the fight, run the race, lest there be in any of you an evil of unbelief leading you to fall away from the living God. And then he goes on to talk about what the heroes of faith saying, look, here are the people that didn't give up, that didn't give in. They said, I'm going to fight and press on. And even when things don't make sense. And finally, the author begins in Hebrews 12 and further. And he says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight path for your feet so that in, so what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And it says, pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will, will see the Lord. And he's saying, fight, fight, fight. Run, run, run. Pursue, pursue, pursue. There's a reminder that the author in Hebrew is saying, Press on, Christians. Don't become lazy. Don't become stagnant. But keep going. Because here's the thing. There's a theologian that once said that endurance trumps zeal every time. Endurance trumps zeal every time. And what this means, zeal is passion. Now, passion isn't bad, but rather than passion being able to endure and go the distance, that is the true statement of someone who knows Jesus. And I, I can be a testimony to this. My testimony, if you get to know me, I wasn't a cookie-cutter Christian. I was somebody who dropped out of high school, who got my good enough diploma, who's been arrested for Grand Theft Auto, my testimony of my story is a GED to a bachelor's to a master's degree, and that's a testimony of God's grace in my life. But the one thing that was constant in my life as I was going in and out of jail and I was doing all these different things was a persistent prayer of my mother who would be on her knees every single morning saying, deliver my son. And it's the very reason why I'm standing here today. There's an endurance. The Christian walk isn't a sprint, but a marathon. Now you're probably sitting here saying to yourself, man, I got it, right? I need to set up for endurance, need to keep pressing on. But you may ask yourself the question, how am I supposed to do this? Because the real way, the real easy way for us to answer this is just to, what, try harder, are you telling me, Pastor, just to try harder? What about that? Is the gospel, I just need to read and pray? And you think about these moralistic things that you think that you need to do to be a better Christian. And yes, those things are good, but I don't think that's what the author is trying to say, that we need to try harder. 
He's saying what? Take away anything that is useless and distracts you, the way that you don't need, that hinders you to see what the ultimate thing for you to keep your eyes on the prize. Just like we sing. What in your life has distracted you to set your eyes on the prize? C.S. Lewis, who's a theologian and author who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, once wrote this, and this is a famous, famous quote. He says this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. If God is who the Bible says he is, and if he is all-powerful, all-loving, and all-knowing, if all these things created for his glory and all these things worship him for his glory, then here's the thing. In our pursuit of God, anything less than us giving him our entire being would come short. The author here is, is encouraging these struggling people, saying, don't you see? For us to really run this race, we have to lay aside everything. Not just the bad things, but even the things that we consider to be good. That we have to lay aside every weight. And he says, do not get hindered by anything less than your ultimate good. Saying, yes, I am sure it's great and fun to play in the mud. Right? Even as adults, maybe not now because I'm wearing Jordans. But even as adults, how much of us would love to go outside and play in the mud? And make mud pies. But don't you know, don't you know the more we lay things aside and live in the glory of God, we have a feast or a holiday at the sea when we fix our eyes on Christ. Don't settle. Don't settle. Do not fall for comfort. Do not be satisfied. Do not coast, but seek the promises that God gives us when we seek him, the fullness of setting our eyes on the prize, that we have endurance even in times of struggle and difficulty, that we have never-ending spring that keeps us running this race. Don't go back to moralism, but go and fix your eyes on Christ, who's endured. We're so comfortable that we don't want to run this marathon. We are so comfortable that the reality of raging war against what this world stands is not our priority. And I have to ask yourself, am I going to fight, fight, fight and fix my eyes on Christ? But here's the thing. What motivates us? What is the thing that keeps us pressing on? And the third point that I have is consider him. 
consider him. In verse three, it says this, I mean, verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And it says what in verse three, consider him, consider him. When I run, I hate running on a treadmill. How many of you guys love running on a treadmill? There's a couple of us. And I hate running on a treadmill because what goal do I have? There's, I'm not running to a destination or a location. I'm running in place, right? I hate running. I love running. And I don't like running on a track because it's just a mundane four laps around this thing. What do I love to do? I love to run a distance and a goal. And so many times, again, like I said, I hate running. I'll run to the donut shop because the goal is going to be a donut. But that's what the Christian marathon is. God does not call us to meaningless, exhausting drills like laps around a field that get us nowhere. He calls us to a race that has a great goal and all kinds of powerful incentives along the way. And there are three practical things that the Hebrew author calls us to do, right? Number one is look back to the witnesses. Look back to the witnesses. The first motivation to run the race and fight the fight uh, for holiness and love is found in verse one. Since we are surrounded by what's a great crowd of a witness, as we run this race, there's a big dense of crowd of saints pressing in on the track, and that's the heroes of faith. Here are people that are cheering us all along the way. There are motivation for us to run. In fact, Scripture is about these people. It's not so much they are watching us, but to say they are uh, near enough for us to watch them. And while we run, they are cheering us on. And think about that. Because even in the midst of sin, these people, these saints of the faith have endured so we look at that. We look at and we see examples of faith of perseverance. We look at David, one who committed adultery and murder, and what he finished the race. We look at Noah, who was made fun of and didn't make sense for him to make an ark. And faith builds an ark. We see Abraham who didn't know where to go, but he just got up and left. We see Sarah who made mistake after mistake, but in her end kept her faith that God would be faithful by giving her a son. We see John the Baptist who was a weird personality. I, I don't care what you say, but John the Baptist, if, you, if he came in here today, you guys would be like, yo, who is this guy, right? He gets beheaded for the sake of the gospel. These saints who continually press on. Don't we see that? And here's the other thing. Don't we have one another? That we begin to trust our fellow and brothers and sisters to keep pressing on. My prayer is this, that as we plant in domain, my prayer is that Will will give me a phone call about what Providence Church is doing about spreading the gospel and pushing back darkness. And because of that, that there will be a day when I am discouraged, planting a domain, but my soul will be filled by knowing what you as a church, Providence Church, have set your eyes on to keep pressing on. And let that be encouragement for my soul. We have one another. You guys are a community with a mission mindset to spread the gospel and love of Jesus is set on your hearts that, that that would be the thing that you remind one another daily of. 
What's the second thing that motivates us? Is that there's a hope for something that is better. If you run a marathon, there's a joy of the finish line, realizing that there's something better around the corner. And as we are looking at the heroes of faith, I, faith, I keep saying this, but these are people are heroes of the faith because they realize that God has something better and bigger in store for them. That they had faith that God will provide Jesus. They didn't receive the promise, but they knew that God would deliver. So have motivation to finish the race because here's something better. We are sojourners. No matter what we go through here on earth, we realize that there's great joy in heaven for us, waiting for us for eternity. Keep on looking at that reality. We as God's people do not think about eternity. Be a people, be a church that is eternity on your mind. And finally, what do you set your eyes on? Verse three, consider him, look at him, gaze your eyes on him. What, fix your eyes on Christ. Verse two, Christ, consider him. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Consider and looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him what endured the cross despising the shame and the seated at the right hand of God the Father. Consider him. What did Jesus have to run this race for? Think about that for a second. He was the darling of heaven. All things were created for him and for his glory. What was he running for and what was his prize? Wasn't his prize you? And wasn't his prize me? Consider Jesus. Think about this. Sorry. When it was hard for Jesus, when the times were difficult, when he was praying in the garden, he felt the pain of separation from God. When Jesus, who was the perfect, perfect communion with God the Father, was feeling the very wrath of God's judgment, although he was innocent, Jesus, who was praying in Gethsemane for the cup to pass and what he didn't get heaven, but instead Jesus got a taste of hell by the separation from God. What did he do? He didn't stop there. He kept going. And when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, when the one he trusted, the one who loved him, betrayed him, what did Jesus do? He didn't stop there. He kept going. When Jesus was being spat on and beaten, when he was mocked and tortured by the religious leaders, he didn't stop. He kept going. And when Jesus was on trial um, and he was innocent and the whole world was screaming, crucify him, he didn't stop. He kept going. And after he was whipped and beaten and mocked, they took a crown of thorns on his head and put it on his head. They took a cross and made him carry it. And the crowd was yelling. And think about it. These are the people that he is dying for. He didn't stop. He kept going. He didn't stop. He kept going. But but, but finally, as death was around the corner and Jesus died, he didn't stop. He kept going. 
The Spirit, what conquered death, he kept going because he was resurrected while on the third day insists on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty Christ kept going. And he kept going, why? Because he set his eyes on the prize, which is you and me. Consider him, look at him, gaze on him, knowing, knowing that he is the one that ran before us and that we have the victory. Knowing that he is beside us as we run and knowing that as we look at the finish line, that he is the one with his arms wide open, ready to embrace us. Brothers and sisters, keep your eyes on this love. Keep your eyes on Jesus who had before him the hardest thing to overcome, but didn't stop. He kept going, fight, fight, fight. Press on, press on, press on. Don't give in to this world. Fight, look and gaze upon Jesus who is better than all things. Do not make mud pies when you have a feast. To feast on the joy of Christ as we are about to do. Knowing that the victory has been won. And now, and now, it's Christ who gives us breath in our lungs. Know that the victory has been won and it's Christ who endured all things that we share in celebration. Know that the victory has been won, that the more we set our eyes on Christ, the more what we get him. That we get to taste heaven now. The more we begin to breathe in our lungs, the more endurance to run, the more clarity of joy and, and, and that forever that we get to uh, be with the one who finished this race. So our finish line is to be loved by Jesus that will love us like this. What are you running for? What is your eyes set on? Hebrews 12, 1, 2 is not talking about moralism. It's not talking about get up and, and, and read your Bibles. It's setting your eyes on Christ knowing that he is our perfecter. Consider him. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right of the throne of God. That is who we have. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.